Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to our latest sermon, a sermon about the character and nature of Jesus. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to invite you to do two things. First, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. We put out a new sermon every week, and we're going to upload some bonus sermons soon. I think I already told you about that. We have the first sermon I ever preached at our church 16 years ago, a sermon I preached from the only pulpit Martin Luther King Jr. preached from in Oregon, and some other sermons I preached at different places as a guest. So please subscribe. The other thing I'd love for you to do is connect with us on social media. We think it is awesome that our sermons get listened to by a lot of people around the world. We think it is awesome that you are one of those people, and we want to connect with you. One of the best places to do that is on Instagram. Our church's username is Creekside Picks, and I'm Chad A. Harms. I mean it when I say we want to connect. It would be great to be able to see your faces, even if it's just on a screen. Again, thanks for taking some time to listen to this sermon. I hope that it will help you learn and live more fully for the glory of God. I'm going to start with one of those stories that I think is, is so pathetic about myself that you might like me more. Uh, you know, those types of stories where it's just so sad that you just think, poor guy, uh, I'm going to be his friend later. And, uh, and I've told some of, some of you have heard this story before, but, but I, th- I thought it connected uh, too well not to share again to, to really what I hope uh, to say today through the Word of God. And, 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 and this is the story. In second grade, I switched schools. I had gone to uh, Liberty Elementary School, and in second grade, I switched to my dad's district, Um, and uh, so I I started going to Kennedy Elementary School, and I was a pretty shy, quiet kid, and and I, I showed up at this new school, and the only thing that made it seem tolerable that I was switching schools was that my cousin went there, Felicia. Uh, she went to the school, and I thought, hey, I have a friend. We were one grade different, but like at recess, we would see each other and stuff, you know? And so I was like, I can, I can survive this because Felicia will be here. And so uh, the first week at, at Kennedy Elementary School was fine. And then, and then after like a week, I'm not joking, Felicia left the school and went to a private school. And I was all by myself. And I remember, I remember standing at this recess, like the first day Felicia wasn't there. I, I can tell you like the, the like weather almost in this moment. You know, like I'm seven years old maybe. Uh, and I'm standing outside and it's kind of a gloomy day. And I didn't even like go out to the playground, which you'd think like a, I don't know, that would have been the wise decision is just go play something. And probably some other kid would have said hello. But I just stood right outside of the doors where you came out to do recess. And I just sat there and thought, I don't know anybody. Nobody likes me. And I cried. I just sat there crying. Yep. You like me more now? Or you think, what a loser. Uh, I'm like, why don't you go play on the monkey bars? Uh, And I tell that story because I think it illustrates something that we all know. The feeling of not belonging is a, is a really sad feeling, to feel like we don't belong, especially when we're, we're in a group. But if you just feel like you don't belong, you're not connected to anybody, you don't have a clique to join, you know, you don't have any friends, that feeling is absolutely awful. And, and, and what we're going to see today as we continue to move our way through the book of John is that Jesus was really willing to feel 
a lack of belonging. He was willing to suffer that feeling that I just illustrated for you, the feeling of not belonging. He was willing to feel that for you. And in part, he was willing to feel that for you in order that you don't have to feel that anymore. He was willing to feel to not belong. He was willing to not belong in order that you might belong specifically to the family of God. And, and here's, here's what I, I'm gonna say today. Jesus, the creator who came, came to the creation so that you might be God's kids. That's really at the heart of this. Jesus, who is the creator, came to the creation so that you might be God's kids. As we've worked through the prologue, the beginning of the book of John, we've seen these really important things, and, and I think it's, they're important enough that I, I want to I iterate them, uh, at least some of them, because it, I think it's really important for, for what we're going to see today, because I don't think we can, we can really feel, we can really understand how staggering this thing is that we're going to read today, unless, unless some of these ideas are already in our head. First, the prologue says Jesus is God. Uh, the person we know is Jesus is God. And not only is he God, he's the creator of all that has been created. He is the uncaused cause, to use a philosophical idea that I used a couple of weeks ago. He is the cause of your existence. Not only that, but he's the source of life and light, both physically and spiritually, which means he's the source of life and all that makes life good. And on top of all that, he is the overcomer who helps us overcome the evil that exists in the world. And now John builds on that idea in John 1.9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, the true light. True, and you'll see this as we move through John. If you stick with us as we study through John, you'll see that this word true is a really central theme to the gospel of John. John talks about truth a lot, and he talks about Jesus being the true, and then fill in the other things, uh, the, the true, you know, and then he, and then he, puts another phrase there. It's a big idea, and, and we must ask, even at the beginning of John, what does it mean to be the true something? And, and there's a couple of ideas that, that should come to your minds when you think about Jesus being the true light. Uh, for one, it means that Jesus is the real or genuine light. There are lots of people, there are lots of activities that would claim to be the light, but Jesus is only uh, the only true, the only genuine source of good, at least true good, to use John's phrase. Uh, in other words, Jesus alone is perfectly good and, as we've already seen, truly God. He is the only genuine source of good or perfectly good, and he's the only genuine source of, of God's existence on earth. For example, in John 4, 23, to see this, he's, Jesus says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And so Jesus is the genuine light. Lots of people have claimed to be, you know, the source of good. Lots of things we look at and we think, well, they're pretty good, but only Jesus is the true source of that good, and he's the only true source of God's existence on this earth. But it can also refer to the ultimate, like he's the ultimate light, 
Uh, in the Old Testament, lots of things, you know, were, were demonstrations of God and his presence and his power. And there, was lots of, there are lots of things that are good, but there is only one ultimate source of good and, and God's presence, and that is Jesus. John 6, 32, it says, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. If you don't know the story, after the Israelites, you know, they were, they were slaves to Egypt and, and God set them free and they were out in the wilderness and then this bread came down from heaven and it filled them up. They were able to eat and, and have sustenance to maintain their lives. But Jesus comes along and he basically says, hey, that was a type, that was an illustration, if you will, of, of what I can ultimately bring you. And so when it says Jesus is the true light, it's saying he is the ultimate light and Arthur Pink who wrote a I think a great commentary on the book of John he, he adds to this these kind of ideas he says that Jesus is the undeceiving light which really opposes Satan who masquerades as as light in the Bible Jesus is the real light is in a, a contrast to the dim lights of the Old Testament and so we see these these types or shadows of what Jesus will bring us but Jesus is the the uh, true light in that he is the real light and not just a picture or a, a glimmer of what that light might be. He is the underived light. All other sources of good in the world, they have their source in Jesus. But, but Jesus in and of himself is the good and he brings that good to us. He is the superior light. All in all, Jesus alone is perfectly good and truly God. Jesus alone is the ultimate expression of good and God on earth. That's what John wants us to see here in John 1.9. D.A. Carson says, Few could read the fourth gospel for the second time without recognizing the coming of the word into the world described in the prologue is nothing other than sending of, of the son into the world described in the rest of the book. And so as John presents Jesus as the true light here, and we've seen this as we've worked our way through the prologue, what he's gonna do in the rest of the book is prove that Jesus alone is perfectly good and truly God. He's gonna prove that Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's goodness and presence on this earth. Jesus is the true light and that light has come in order to give light to everyone. It begs the question, what does that mean? And there's a lot of different ideas that have been set forth, but I, but I think it just points backwards to what the author of John has already said, and that is that Jesus is the source of life that, gi uh, that gives light to every person. We find our physical existence and our spiritual good in this person that we call Jesus, and now John says that's because he's the true light. He is the real light, and so if you're going to find life and light, then you must find it in him. You have life physically in him, but if you're going to find spiritual life, it can't be found anywhere else because Jesus is the true light. It says he's coming into the world, which I thought, I was like, that's, that's strange because he already has come into the world, even when this was written. He's already come into the world. And then one author, I thought this was so helpful, said that, and it reminded me, I guess, that, that this is a, a picture of what, what was in the Old Testament, that someday someone would come and he would, he would make things right between people and God. And so the Jewish readers of this book that is called John would have, would have seen the coming one as the Messiah, the one who would make things right between God and people. And so when the author says he was coming into the world, it draws us back to all of these promises in the Old Testament about what this person, the true light, would offer 
unto us. All of the good that, that is in Jesus, the Old Testament talks about how he will bring that into the world. He'll bring it into the world. The giver of all that is good, the source that is good, is coming into the world. I think that's crazy, and in a minute, it's going to be built upon, but it's a crazy idea, and it, it connects to this thing that, that another author says, like, uh, Jesus could say to us, I've come as light into the world that everyone who believes in me may not live in darkness anymore, right? Like, Jesus coming into the world means that we no longer have to live in darkness. And even, even to say that, and we talked about darkness and light and, and what they refer to in the book of John, but you don't even really, I don't think you really need to, to like know all that John says about dark and light in order to understand how profound that idea is because we often talk in these terms anyway, right? I preached a, uh, a series of sermons on depression several years ago and as I, as I, as I researched that sermon series, you, you just see over and over again that people describe their depression as darkness. They describe their depression as darkness. And here we read that Jesus is the true light who has come so that we may have light. We understand that even if we have no background about all these other things John will say about light and dark in his gospel. And it's a wonderful idea that, that the true light, the source of all that is good, the source of, of God's presence on earth came to earth. And now John builds on that. Listen to verses 10 and 11 because I think it even gets crazier. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. John has already set forth this idea that all that has been created, all that has been created was created by the one that we call Jesus. And now he says, even though even though he made it all, when he came here, he was not recognized by that which he created. I don't know if you saw the sunrise just a few mornings ago, back before all the clouds came. Uh, but but it, I mean, you know, sunrises or sunsets, just absolutely, it was so brilliant just a few mornings ago. And what, what I loved about the, the sunrise, uh, whatever day, Thursday, we'll pick Thursday, last Thursday, uh, was that that like as the light came up, this probably always happens, but I was on a long walk and so I noticed it more. The colors were, were changing, but it was, you know, re remaining just as beautiful over the course of 20 minutes or whatever. Like the beauty was staying and the colors were shifting and, you know, you've seen beautiful things. And what this is saying is that the one who made all of that came into that creation. Like, just alone, just that idea is, is an incredible idea. It's, it's a staggering thought that the one who would make all of that would step into all of that. The, the author of John is saying that the creator of all and the giver of all that is good came into that creation that he, that he created. My kids listen to this, this podcast called Kids short stories. Parents, it'll change your life. Uh, you need to download this podcast immediately. It's bought us so much free time. Our house is decently clean because of this. And, uh, and uh, they had a story uh, that we listened to not long ago where this, this kid had, um, 
had created this incredible world in the game Minecraft. And, uh, and all of a sudden, he's sitting at his computer and, you know, like that. And, and he's, he just comes into the computer, and now he's in his Minecraft world that he created. And then, and then, he has to fix the servers. And it's a, one, it's a great story. It's a great 10-minute little story. And we don't think much of it, right? Good story. Somebody made it up. But what the author of John is saying is that's what actually happened, is that the creator of all this, you know, who might as well be the maker of a Minecraft world, stepped into it. He came to it. He came to it for a great purpose that we'll come back to in a minute, but he, he came into that which he created. It's a stunning, stunning declaration by the author of John. I thought a lot about Legos as I was preparing this sermon because, you know, I, I don't know, I'm too old for Minecraft. I've tried to figure it out with my son. We do Legos. But like the Lego my wife brought me when I asked her to bring me a Lego today, I don't know why, but, um, <laughs> but he's weird. I don't even know who he is or what he is, but... Uh, he has a lot of hands. Anyway, it's like John says, hey, like the one who built the Lego set became a Lego and stepped down into whatever he created. That's a big, big, big declaration, is it not? And I've said this just about in every sermon in this series, but I think it just is so important to say again, this isn't like some author that wrote thousands of years later and who was telling a fictional story. This is a man who was loved by Jesus and who loved Jesus, who spent time with Jesus, who hung out with Jesus, that called Jesus a friend. And now he writes this book and he says at the beginning of it, this guy that I hung out with was the creator of all that has been created. And not only that, he came into the creation. The guy who made the sunset that you saw last Thursday came down here to be with us. It would be so easy to dismiss if it was like some fictional story written a thousand years later, but you cannot dismiss this idea when it was written by his friend. I just don't think you can just go, oh yeah, some guy talking, making stuff up, when it was written by his friend, because we all know that none of our friends would ever say, hey yeah, Bob made that sunset. <laughs> like, nobody says that, right? You have to see some pretty incredible things in order to have the audacity to write down that, that this guy you know is the creator of all that has been created. And what John pens in the rest of this book is just a bunch of stuff that he saw uh, that helped him believe that what he is writing in this prologue is true. But there's bad news in the midst of this because he says here, that though he made the world, the world did not recognize him. It did not recognize him. I, I think that this is a statement that is not dissimilar to what I felt at Kennedy Elementary School as a kid. He entered into this world, but the world treated him as though he did not belong. He entered into, the creator entered into his creation but his creation treated him as though he did not belong. I was trying to think about like, how can I feel that? Because obviously, you know, I can't enter into anything I create, right? Like that's not a possibility for me. But I thought about like Alzheimer's 
And, and if you ever experience like loving someone who has dementia or specifically Alzheimer's, and, and they like don't know who you are, they stop recognizing you, that's what I think a little bit of, of what John is commuting, communicating here about, about what Jesus suffered. The world that he created did not recognize him. And I can, I can tell you there's that feeling of having a loved one just not recognize you is, it hurts, right? E- even though you know, and that's not the case for Jesus, even though you know it's outside of their control, you know, it's not like something that they're intentionally doing, but for them to go like, and who are you again? Not a lot that feels worse, and, and that's what Jesus experienced when he entered into his, into his creation. But even more than that, even more personally than that, is the next line, verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but it did not receive him. This is far more personal, and, and the idea that which his own is like not just that which he created, but it's like more like his property, or even, some would say, it's like he came to his home. Jesus came to his home, and his, his home did not receive him. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't actually know that feeling. I, I can't tell a story to describe that, but my family's right over here. But if I showed up at their house one day, and, and they looked at me, and they said, you can't come in, like that's what the author is communicating about what Jesus experienced when he entered into his creation. Creation did not receive their creator, but the reality is they didn't just not receive him, they emphatically rejected their creator. We emphatically rejected our creator. Some would say that the first 12 chapters of John can be summarized by these words, his own did not receive him. It's really the story of the first half of the book of John. His people, his home did not receive him. In fact, they rejected him. And I would say that when you get to the end or near the end of the book of John, you're going to see the most emphatic declaration of that when the people he created, the world he created, the people that he made chose to nail him to a cross instead of choosing to receive him. The reality is, the sad reality is that even though our creator entered into his creation, many people still reject him today, maybe you. Many people can describe their experience with Jesus in these terms. Even though he is your creator, you have not received him. Even though he's your creator, you have not recognized him as such. And I would say, I, would, I think this is so important. What John is emphatically declaring here is that the creator entered into the creation. And and I know that a sermon is not going to just magically cause everybody to believe that that is true. But it's such a big statement by somebody who knew him personally that I've said this before and I'll say it again. At least if you are, are somebody who has not accepted Jesus or recognized Jesus for who he is, at least explore whether or not this idea can be true. It's too big of a statement to just not pay attention to, to ignore, to pretend like it doesn't exist. If you had, a, if you had somebody in your life that said, hey, I'm hanging out with Bob and I think he made that sunrise the other day, you would at least go meet Bob to see what was up with this guy who your buddy had made the declaration about. 
And when it comes to Jesus and the statement that he entered into creation, I would just say that the creator, the statement that the creator has entered into creation, I would just say, please don't reject it without at least exploring. Please don't reject it without reading the rest of the book of John to see whether it might be true or not. It would be so sad for you to not recognize or to reject your creator without ever asking the question of whether or not he truly is your creator to begin with. Now, if that's all I had in this sermon, if that was the end of this section of the book of John, it would be very depressing. But as Matt said last week in his sermon, you do need to know the bad news to fully understand the good news. And so John here has given you the bad news. The creator has entered into creation and it did not recognize him or receive him But in verses 12 and 13, he says, Yet to all who did not receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Two statements, receiving and believing. They're not synonymous, but they have, they contain, they mean similar things, if not something that we could use synonymously. Uh, To receive Jesus is to offer our allegiance to him, to trust him completely, to acknowledge his claims, and to confess him with gratitude, as one author says. To believe in his name is to believe in his character or even the person himself. And man, in the book of John, and you'll see this, you might know John 3.16, as we move through John, you'll see that believing is not just mentally asserting something to be true it goes far beyond that the point is not what you believe but but who you believe in that's really at the heart of belief in the book of john arthur pink again says believing respects christ as he exhibited as he is exhibited in the gospel testimony it is the personal acceptance as truth of what god has said concerning his son receiving views christ as presented to us as God's gift, presented to us for our acceptance. The true light, the source of life and light has come to us as a gift. What an incredible idea. This means that a follower of Jesus is somebody who has received him and who believes in him. Somebody who has recognized Jesus as creator and has received the gift that is in him because they believe in him. They don't just believe about him, they believe in him. And what they believe is that not only is he the creator, but he is also the savior. And that is what John will write for us later. Good news Chapters 13 through 21 of John can be summarized like this, yet to all who did receive him. And so there is this this wonderful thing in John where where we see 12 chapters of Jesus kind of being rejected and then we see people starting to understand that their creator had come to creation and they begin in some ways to recognize him. But this isn't just about what it means to be a Christian, it's about what we can have as a Christian There's this incredible promise. Those of us that receive and believe in Jesus get to become the children of God. The creator has come to his creation so that they might become God's kids. Think about what this says. Can can you, I don't think you can, can you come up with any greater relationship to describe God the most incredible feeling of belonging 
that go, that's beyond the idea of being somebody's child, right? Now, look, as I say that, I get it. Like some parents, you've had parents, you know, we, we can talk about parents that have, have not received their children, who have not acted as though their children belong to them in some ways, or at least not to the level that they should have. Uh, there's parents who are unloving. There's parents even who are abusive. But when we see the love the acceptance that a parent has for their child when it's good, right? Then we get a picture of what we are seeing here. Though we did not receive Jesus when he came to earth, though people did not receive Jesus or recognize Jesus as their creator, he still came in order that we might be God's kids, in order that we might belong to the creator of all. That is amazing. When I think back to Kennedy Elementary and that feeling, right? You magnify that times infinity that Jesus the creator would come into his creation and he would willingly experience the feeling of not belonging, the feeling of rejection, the feeling of of just having people hate him. And not only did he do it, but he did it in order that I might experience all of the opposite feelings that I might belong to the family of God, that I might become God's child. And, and what's so cool is that when we become God's child, that means he is our father and he treats us as such and we belong to him, an incredible idea. But on top of that, we get all these brothers and sisters. And this is one of the things I love about church. We have these relationships that don't make any sense, all because the creator came into creation. There's a lot of us in this room who, who love each other, who like each other, who are deeply in each other, invested in each other's lives, not because of shared interest. We have the least sports-liking church. I don't know if I'd be friends with any of you apart from church. Uh, I, like Not because we have shared interests, not because we have shared personalities, but because the creator came to his creation and invited us to be God's children and to have brothers and sisters in him. Hazel just said it to me the other day. She said, do you know Maddie? Maddie's our friend. Her parents are right here. She said, do you know Maddie and I are our are, are, sisters and and dads you know we're brothers and sisters she must have learned this at school private school not public school education (laughs) Um, and I said I did know that why is that she said because of Jesus and I thought what a beautiful thing that not only do I have this daughter that I think highly of but I have this sister (laughs) like that's a profound and important mystery is it not And it's all because the creator stepped down into his creation. And then the author does this weird thing. And he says, like, not children born of natural descent, nor human decision or husband's will. And and, and I connected this to, like, in John 3, we're going to read this story, if if you'll keep following through John with us, where Jesus talks to this religious leader, and he says, you know, you gotta be born again. And the religious leader is like, what do you mean? You got to get back in the womb, and and Jesus explains it to him. It's this weird interaction. I thought, like, well, that's you know, that has to be the same idea here, but but that's not. It seems what is the the majority view. Instead, it's about how we we can't become the children of God in a spiritual sense. Like when he says not of natural descent, that means like not because of your family line. That's one people get wrong a lot, right? A lot of people think they're Christians because. They came from a Christian background. They grew up Catholic. You hear that a lot, right? 
Like, what do you believe? Well, I grew up Catholic. People just say that, is that that's their belief. That's, that's it. And, and, and so here the author says, not, not because of your natural descent. That's, that's not going to make you a child of God. Nor of human decision. You can't earn it. Even by comparison, you cannot earn it. Not enough people can say, oh, they're a nice guy. That cannot earn you belonging in the family of God. Nor of a husband's will, which is actually just the will of man. This is like the efforts of others or, or religious leaders. Like not enough good preaching can ever earn you belonging in the family of God. It can only come by God. You can only be born of God. And, and I just have to tell you today, you've got to read the rest of the story to understand that. But I've already talked about how there's this rejection, this utter rejection of Jesus near the end of this book. Jesus is nailed to a cross. He dies. And what we know from reading the Gospel of John and the other books in the Bible is that he did that. The whole reason he came is to do that because each and every one of us, like what's described here, has rejected our creator in some way. Every one of the people who have been created by the creator have rejected him. We've turned our backs on him. We have sinned against him. And because of that, we were more like enemies to God than we were like children to God. And so that creator, Jesus, came into his creation. He lived here, but then at the end of that life, he, he was persecuted, he was tortured, and then he was nailed to a cross, and he did it all so that we might have the punishment for our sins paid for. The creator stepped into his creation in order that he might take our punishment. And when it talks about believing and receiving the creator here, Jesus here, it's saying that we believe and we receive the gift that he offers us by dying on a cross and then coming back to life. This is the only way to become a child of God. I hear this statement sometimes, we're all God's children, and it's emphatically untrue. We are all God's creation but only those who believe and receive the gift of Jesus become God's kids. If you want to really feel like you belong, if you want to truly belong to the family of God, if you want to experience belonging like you have never experienced it before, then you must believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world and you must receive him as such. That's what John is communicating here and through the rest of of his gospel. The creator came into his creation so that we might be God's kids and all we have to do is believe and receive. We've been asking this question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And here what John says is the is that he's the creator who came into creation so that we might be God's kids. Now, what do, you, what do you do with that information? I like to end my sermons like, what do I do with that? And for some, I would say, <laughs> you have got to consider whether or not this is true. You can't ignore this idea. You'll never experience the belonging that you want to experience. Deep in your soul, you will be like a kid just standing outside crying at recess. And you might be unlike me, and you might jump into the game, get on the monkey bars, try to make friends, go to church, do a whole bunch of stuff, but until you believe and receive that Jesus is the Savior of the world, then you will not experience the belonging that your soul cries for. And so at least explore 
whether or not this is true. Read the book of John. Listen to the rest of my sermons. And if God whispers in your ear and you absolutely come to a place where you know it's true, then don't let the moment pass, but give him your life because then you will experience true belonging. For others of us as Christians, you know this is true. We can just be so quick to just play around with our Christianity, to make it just a a little piece of our lives instead of the reason that we get out of bed in the morning. If we truly believe that the creator entered into creation so that we might belong, so that we might be God's kids, then it should compel us to make all of our lives about bringing him the honor and the praise and the worship and the glory that he deserves. For some in this room, some watching online, I think that, that this, this statement about the true life, the true light coming down into his creation must compel us to give more of ourselves back to him. If the creator would enter into that which he created, then for sure we should live our lives as a response to that truth. And finally, for those of you who have put Jesus at the center of your life, you're Christians, you love Jesus, you're living for Jesus. I would just remind you today that the one who creates, the one who made that sunset, the one who sustains our lives understands the difficult things that you are going through. All of us have been through a very rough time in the last year and a half. And it's really easy to just just feel like God doesn't care. He doesn't get it. And if we serve the creator who had never entered into his creation, then, then yeah, if we were deists that thought that God just made us and stepped back and said, I wonder what will happen here, then yeah, we should just think that guy up there that I pray to doesn't get it at all. But that's not what we believe as Christians. We believe that that same creator entered into creation and he did it and he suffered a lack of belonging, a rejection in order that you might belong. And so no matter what you go through, no matter what you suffer, he, under, he not only understands because he's experienced similar things, but he cares deeply about you and he's with you and he's helping you and he's taking care of you. I promise, I promise. And so I would hope that each of us, no matter where we came here today, that we, that we would leave this place with, with either a, a new understanding or a greater excitement or maybe an understanding for the first time that our creator entered into creation he was rejected and unrecognized and he did it so that you might be a child of God let me pray that we will do that Lord Jesus I I cannot in any meaningful way communicate how amazing the the statements the truth of this passage is like i tried today god to uh, to make it feel big to tell stories that that illustrate how profound it is that you would come down to that which you made but there's no way I don't even think, God, the words in the book of John can do justice to what we are reading about here. And so it will only be your Holy Spirit that impresses something upon us that makes, God, people accept you, believe in you, receive you, God. And it will only be your Holy Spirit that that calls those of us who are Christians to, to just be more passionate about you 
and who you are because of these truths. And, and I ask that, God, that you would take my measly efforts this morning and right now in this moment, Lord, you would impress upon the hearts and even souls of every person here, those watching online, something of value. And you would call us, God, you would call people either, either to give their lives to you for the first time, to receive you, God, for the first time, or, God, you would call people to, to once again commit themselves to you because, God, they recognize what you have done for us. For, for those of us who are Christians, Lord, please touch us once again with how wonderful it is to belong to your family. Lord, for people like me who have grown up in the church, who have been a Christian for a long time, long, long time, it's easy to forget, God, how bad it would feel to not belong to you and to not be part of your family. And I pray you'd remind us of how great it is today, God. Let us be a people that passionately serve you because, God, because we recognize that you are a creator and we recognize how wonderfully gracious it was for you to step into your creation so that we might become your kids. I pray these things in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.